Um, if you don't know, Dave actually had cataract surgery on Friday, so that's why he's not here today. He's uh, went very well, went uh, textbooked uh, according to the uh, surgeon, but he's, uh, he's resting. Um, the instructions are because they don't want him to pick up an infection, so that's why he's not here today. But uh, he's uh, very appreciative of your prayers and, and again just said, you know, thank you for your love, your concern. And, uh, yeah, he's glad it's all better. Apparently, he could see a lot clearer, even though it was foggy. So, I don't know. But anyway, there you go. So, you have me today. You have me today. So, so Dave has, um, since Easter, he has been um, taking us through some resurrection encounters. Uh, we started off looking at the two disciples on the Emmaus Road, and we looked at Don't Let Jesus Walk On By. We looked at the, the life of Thomas and we learned some life lessons from Thomas. And then we looked at Peter where we were looking at the subject of forgiveness and how important it is to forgive ourselves. So we're going to move on and we're going to, we find ourselves today in the book of Acts. Save, show, just stay where you are. Not that you're going to go anywhere anyway, but there we go. There we are. Just so I can see what's up there. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to find ourselves in the book of Acts. So let's read this together, shall we? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray, Father, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you have in store for us today. We thank you, Father, that your word is alive, your word is active, that your word is like a two-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that it says in your word that your word will not return to you void. So, Lord, we just give you permission this morning. Come through the power of your Holy Spirit. Have your way amongst us. Teach us more of what you want us to know. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So, have you ever been forced to sit and wait for something? Yeah? I don't know whether you know this, but if you lived on the island of St. Paul in Alaska and you suddenly got the urge on a Friday night for pizza, you'd have to wait three days for that pizza to arrive. Now, I'm not a great patient person. Um, I can't stand waiting, if, if I'm honest. And yet they say, don't they, that as, as members of the British public, 
one of our greatest hobbies is queuing. And apparently we have this um, queuing actually down to a, a, a fine art, so I hear. Um, Amazon. You know, I, I can order something on Amazon today and it might even be with me by 10 o'clock tonight or it might be with me tomorrow. And we wonder why Amazon is the billion dollar company that it is today. I don't know how many of you watched Eurovision last night, but, you know, poor old Sam Ryder is sitting in the green room and he, the UK were the last points to come through. We aren't great Eurovision fans in our household, but we still stayed up till midnight waiting for <laughs> Sam to get his results. Um, as you know, I teach at Queen Mary's College and our students are just starting their exams and they have that wait until the middle of August for their exam results to come out. But you know, sometimes God makes us wait as well because he doesn't always answer us with a resounding, I'm going to say this to you, Rog, I'm going to probably do it like an American. Is that, the, is that our way? That's our way. Roger tells me how to salute. Like that, right, okay. He doesn't respond with a yes, sir. Yes, sir, right away, sir. Because sometimes he does answer our prayers with an immediate yes or an immediate no. And it's always based on his sovereign knowledge of what is best for us. But I very often find that our prayers are answered by that third answer, that word wait. And whilst we don't want to run ahead of God, we don't want to be idle, we don't want to be stagnant as well. So today's theme, as you saw at the beginning, was, well, what can we do whilst we're waiting on God? We began by looking at that story in Acts 1 about how Jesus was going to be taken up into heaven and how the disciples were told to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The apostles have just seen Jesus ascend to heaven in the clouds for the final time. And he commands them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.5 says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the apostles walked all the way from the Mount of Olives where Jesus had ascended back into Jerusalem. And they were sitting, waiting in an upper room, waiting for the promise that God, that Jesus had given them. It says in, in Acts 1, verse 12, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. So it wasn't a, a quick nip round the corner. It was a, a long journey, a day's walking, and then they were waiting. The scriptures tells us that all 11 remaining apostles, of course, Judas was no longer there. But they were there along with Jesus' mother, his brothers, and some others. And the total number of people waiting in the upper room was about 120. We read that in Acts 1 verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, all of them waiting for that promise of the Holy Spirit. 
But what we're going to find as we delve into this story a bit more is that they weren't just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. They weren't sitting around idly waiting on the coming of the Spirit. But whilst they waited, they did what they could. And we're going to notice today three things that they did whilst waiting on God and the three things that we can do whilst we're waiting on God. Number one. They prayed. Tells us there, Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Do you know, it would have been so easy for them to sit there and say, well, why, why do we need to pray? What's the point of praying? Jesus has already promised us the Holy Spirit. Or, do you know, I don't need to pray because God already knows my needs. He's sending me the Spirit. But they didn't do that. They prayed constantly. They prayed as fervently as ever. The word prayer comes from the Greek word deasis. Little aside here. My husband, who's been a minister for several years, said to me, say it with confidence, and they won't know any different. So I'm saying it with confidence, <laughs> and you won't know any different. So deasis. And it means a seeking, an asking, or an entreating to God. You see, these apostles already knew that the promise was coming, yet they still stayed fervent in bringing their petitions to God. We often, I find, forget the importance of prayer in our times when we're waiting on God. Uh, my experience is that often we will pray about something once and then never bring it before God again. Let me read to you this parable. You find it in, in Luke chapter 18. This is a story that Jesus told his disciples to show them that they should always pray and not give up on prayer. It says this, In a certain town there was a judge who, who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him, day and night. Will he keep putting them off? That story should be an encouragement to all of us who are waiting. Maybe you're, you're waiting for a loved one to come to Jesus. Keep praying. That's what the scripture says. Maybe you, yourself, or somebody you love, you care for, are suffering from an illness which seems to have no reprieve. The scripture tells us to keep praying. Maybe this is you. Maybe you've lost direction in your life. And maybe you seem to be facing more questions than answers. 
but keep praying. And while we're praying, while we're waiting, what we're doing is we're showing God that we've placed things, we've placed the matters in his hands. Doesn't the scripture tell us to cast all your cares on him? Why? Because he cares for you. This is a quote from my grandfather who was um, a Church of England minister. He said these things, more things change when I pray than when I don't. We don't always expect God to perhaps answer our prayers in the way that we want him to because he is God. His thoughts are higher than ours, his ways beyond our ways. But by bringing our prayers to God and by leaving those things in his loving hands, we're fulfilling this scripture. Romans 8:28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose Billy Graham famously said heaven is full of answers no one ever bothered to ask God's answer is ready it's just waiting for our persistent and our personal prayer. So while they were waiting, they prayed. The second thing they did is they studied. Let's read this together. Okay, we're going to keep, keep our minds active. So let's read it together. We'll start from brothers and sisters. Off we go. Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payments he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language with confidence, Akhel Dharma, that is the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. You're probably thinking, okay, Carol, what's this all about? Imagine what the apostles must have felt towards Judas Iscariot. I'm sure that they didn't completely understand why this man had done what he did. But what we read about here is that Peter begins to expound the Old Testament scriptures which foretold about the betrayal of Judas. As the disciples, as the apostles listened to the word, as they listened to the expounding of the word, 
they began to have a better understanding that whilst God did not cause Judas to sin, he foresaw its place in his plan of redemption. The second thing they did whilst they were waiting is they studied the word. I find as I get older that life throws up far more questions than perhaps answers. We often pray and we pray for an answer, but we never perhaps seem to find it. But maybe sometimes that because the answers to our questions are right in front of our eyes. Maybe we don't find the answers because we're not looking at the instructions. This is our caravan. We have recently, you'll be glad to know I've got no pictures of the dog. <laughs> yeah, but I mean in my, in my talk today. There we go. So we have a, we have a caravan. We are uh, new caravanners. We've been away once. And um, my illustration is putting up a caravan awning. I will say at this point that our great friend Noel was amazing. He came round and gave us uh, lots of advice and we had a practice run. Well, Dave had a practice run. And um, because he was concerned that we didn't appear in the middle of the campsite like the fools who didn't know how to put the awning up. So he was, he was very concerned about our well-being. So thank you, Noel. Um, also, he was concerned about our marriage because he didn't want us to have <laughs> arguments in the middle of the campsite. But this is what he said to us. He said, make sure the instructions are close to hand and follow them exactly. If you follow them exactly, yeah, yeah. it's a case of saying, what is it? Do what I say, not as I do. Yes, yeah. But he said to us, follow them exactly and you'll get your awning up with no problem at all. And that was the first time of us putting our awning up. We had the sheet with all the instructions on. We followed them step by step by step. We didn't have a falling out and our awning got up. If we had used the instructions as an afterthought, then I think we would have found ourselves starting all over again, probably being the butt of many jokes throughout the campsite and um, maybe... Uh, having to have some marriage counselling. No, not really, no. But, do you know, life is like that so many times, isn't it? We, we bypass reading the instructions and, and, and then we wonder why very often we get ourselves into situations when we have to back up, start again, try again. If you're waiting on God for an answer, the very best, the very best advice I can give you is to consult the maker's instructions. Go back to the word. Find out through his word. Find out through reading the word, through reading the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, come and see one of us afterwards. We'll get you a Bible. But, you know, immerse yourself in the word. Find out what it is that God is saying find out. And you know, you can also hear the voice of God. I, I've spoken on that here before, but you can hear God's voice as well. What he says to you will never, ever contradict what's in his word. 
So immerse yourself in the word. Get yourself involved in what God is saying. We've said about how the word is alive, it's active, it's not a dead and dusty book. The word of God is as relevant today on the 15th of May 2022 as it was when it was first written, when it was first passed down orally. It's essential, it's like our lifeblood. It's how we know what it is that God is saying to us. This word in 2 Timothy tells us to do ourselves, to do our best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who presents, sorry, who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, by studying God's word, it helps us to understand more fully his character. And, and when we understand what God's like, then we have a better understanding of why he does what he does the way he does it. And you know, it will probably even help us to realize why we are being told to wait. John Wycliffe said this, to be ignorant of the scriptures is to be ignorant of God. So the first thing they did, they prayed. The second thing they did, they studied. And the third thing was this. Let's read this together again. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. You see, because of Jesus, uh, because of Judas's betrayal and subsequent suicide, the apostles found themselves one man short. And the scriptures in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, had called them to choose the successor. Let me tell you what my husband said when I told him this. I think they were Baptists because they had the first church business meeting. <laughs> By the way, we have one on Wednesday. There were two requirements for being Judas's successor. First of all, they had to have had a part in Jesus' early ministry, and they had to have been a witness to the ascension. So the apostles used the method of casting lots, which to us sounds a little bit, mm, is that gambling? Is that right? It was a common Old Testament practice to determine which of the two men who were nominated would be chosen. And so Matthias became the one who would take the place of Judas. So not only did the apostles pray, 
during their time of waiting. Not only did they study, but they took care of the business that needed to be done. If we've called on God for something and he's causing us to wait, that does not take away our responsibility for doing something that needs to be done now. We have this amazing refurbished building. And if you were here when we were starting the project, you will know that when we were going to refurbish the building, we began with prayer. And then we got to work. You know, some people might say, well, then we pray and we leave everything up to God. But they might have never made plans to raise money or to hire, hire a builder. And whilst that sounds wonderful, it actually isn't scriptural. Because Jesus always allowed those who were with him to do what they could before he intervened. You see, there's that word partnership, that God loves to partner with us. There are some great examples of how Jesus partnered with his disciples. He told the men at the wedding at Cana to fill the water pots. And when they filled the pots with water, then he did what only he could do, turning that water into wine. When they were out in the boat, he told the disciples to put the nets down in the water. And then he did what only he could do. When he turned up at the, the tomb of, of his great friend Lazarus, he told the people to remove the rock from the front of the tomb. And then he did what only he could do. God always expects us to do our best and then he will do the rest. Waiting on God's blessings for the future does not give us a license for complacency. To not do the work that he has called us to do in the present. So sometimes God as a loving father, calls us to wait on him. If you're a parent, and we've all been children, you will know that often as parents, we will make our children wait for things because this helps to teach patience to our children. Some of you might be sitting there today saying, well, I'm not waiting. I'm, that's great, Carol. You know, all those things you talked about, people waiting for things. That's great. But you know what? I'm not waiting for anything. I've, I've not asked God for anything. I've not made any requests of him. So how does what you've said apply to me? There's one thing that as born again believers, we are all waiting for. We are all waiting for Jesus' return. We're waiting for that day when the trumpet will sound and he will return again. 
And it's been this way ever since Jesus ascended. Let's have a look at the scripture. Acts 1, 10 to 11. This is the ascension of Jesus. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We are all, as Christians, waiting for that day. We all have this most glorious hope. And whilst we're waiting, whether it's for the return of Jesus, whether it's for or whatever it is you've asked him for, let's take a lesson from the apostles. We need to spend time with God in prayer. We need to study his word. That's our life's manual. And we need to continue to do the work that he has called us to do now into the present. Let me finish with this quote. Waiting for God doesn't mean sitting around doing nothing. It means doing what we can while we can, as best we can, whilst always being careful to not run ahead of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your word, which is alive and is active. We thank you for your word, which inspires us, which encourages us, which spurs us on. And we thank you, Father, today that in those times when we find we are waiting for an answer from you, that our time of waiting isn't wasted. And that you call us to prayer. Help us, Father, to be wise with our time and to know that we can speak to you at any time and in any place. Thank you, Father, that it's not us presenting you with a list, but it's a conversation. It's communication. Help us, Father, in this week to have those moments of communication, of conversation with you. Father, thank you that you call us to study your word. We thank you, Lord, that we find so much of you in your word. And that as we find out about who you are, God, then we begin to see how you work in our lives and we see what it is that you desire for us. Lord, forgive us when we've put our Bibles, your word, on a shelf out of the way. Forgive us, Father, when we've not opened your word from 
month to month, week to week, day to day. And Father, help us this week to be mindful of your word. Father, will you be creative with our time this week, that in the busyness of life, we would find time to open your word, to study your word, to hear your word. And Father, thank you that you call us to be proactive people. Father, you call us to walk out in the gifting that you've given to every single one of us. Father, thank you that we don't have to do this on our own, but you strengthen us through your Holy Spirit. You empower us through your Holy Spirit. You equip us through your Holy Spirit to be able to do everything it is that you call us to. Father, forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us, Father, when we've just sat around waiting. Lord, will you remind us again of your call upon our lives. Lord, will you remind us through words, through your scripture, through dreams, through visions, God, of what it is you are calling us to. And help us, Lord, not to sit on this, but to walk into all it is that you are calling us to. So, Father, we bless you. We bless you, Lord, for who you are. Fill us again, Lord. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to be Jesus to people that we meet, to our families and our friends and our colleagues and our neighbours, to the people in our community in this coming week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.